it's Lou Rosenfeld, and we're ready for another edition of the Rosenfeld Review. I'm here with Julie Stanford. Hi, Julie. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Great. I'm glad to have you on the show. It's the first time we've had a chance to talk in oh, about, I think, 15 years, so I'm looking forward to catching up. Uh, Julie is speaking at our virtual conference, User Research for Everyone, which is taking place on October 11th. Uh, I should say October 11th, 2016, just in case you catch this at a later date. And um, Julie is uh, the founding principal of Slice Bread Design in Mountain View, California. And uh, her name is Stanford, and she, of course, teaches at Stanford. Is that intentional? Uh, you know, my last name, my maiden name had a silent H in it, and I ditched that guy like a bad habit. I had the opportunity to switch to the Stanford last name. Or, or a, a bad abbot. Yeah, that's, a bad that's abbot, an, that's, that's right. a really bad joke, but hey, it's my show. I can do what I want. Um, Julie's going to be talking about the relationship of research and design and uh, how they can kind of be asymmetrical. In many situations, we don't do much research at all, and I think that's kind of the, the typical uh problem that uh, a lot of uh, organizations that are way down in the maturity uh, uh, model ladder are experiencing. But in this case, I think it's a different type of asymmetry where the research may be strong, but it's not really impacting design and the design may be lacking in in flexibility. And and Julie's going to be exploring that intersection and, and how to get them to be a bit more interdependent is that right? Am I, am I nailing it or am I, am I bit off? Yeah, I think, I think that's about right. Just the importance of having the interdependency and the, the cohesion between the two. What's the problem that most people are facing here? What is that asymmetry and uh, what's causing it and what are its, uh, its impacts? What we've noticed happens is um, as people get more and more excited about user-centered design, design thinking process, which has this nice focus on user research, which is great, right? And we're big fans of that, obviously. The danger is that sometimes you get so excited about the part where you're gathering research that you forget that there's this other part, which is the design part where you actually need to make something um, that is gonna test well, and that there's more to designing the design part than um, having something test well. And so what we've seen, and I'm going to share a story in a minute, is that if you have um, this asymmetry where you have a researcher who's doing all this research and it's very iterative and um, you've set aside time to do a lot of it, but then the design side is really weak, that you end up with um, a final product or experience that looks like a patchwork mess of stuff that was very responsive to whatever a user said but doesn't have a really holistic feel or um, a strong you know, overall information architecture or, or really an overall story that it's presenting. We don't want to do user research and then uh, find ourselves uh, doing all that work, all that design work, and, and the results something of a dog's breakfast. Yeah. I just like exactly. to work that expression in any time I can. All right, so what do we do then? What, or tell me the story uh, um, that you're uh, finding and uh, experiencing, it sounds like. And how do we get through it? Sure. So I think what, what's nice about this is um, it's a, I think it's a very classic cautionary tale. And um, like all cautionary tales, it starts off um, where everything's great, right? You 
uh, we were working on a product and it, um, I can't really say what the product is to protect the innocent, but it's a, it's a mobile app in the medical space for consumers that helps, um, consumers, uh, gather some, um, data about, um, the health of their child that previously they had to go to a doctor to do that now they can actually do at home. Really cool. And, you know, you have to have a pretty careful design. It involves children. It involves um, medical information. It can make parents kind of anxious. So it's really important to, to do a lot of user research and involve parents in the design very closely. So um, we started working on this product, and it's a, it's a startup. Startups don't have very much money, which is, you know, par for the course. And so we said, hey, that no problem. We'll start you off with, you know, a base design, and then it's going to need a lot more user research. And if you can't um, use our services for that, uh, you know, we can sort of teach you how to do that on your own. So we, we worked with them. We did a base design um, that, um, you know, I would say was 75% of the way there, but needed some refinement. And at that point, they went away and started doing um, their own user research, which is great, right? That's exactly what we want to have happen. Unfortunately, what happened at the same time is that they didn't really have a strong design skill set, which, which takes us back to this issue where this virtual cycle breaks. And so what happened is they went along and they would, um, you know, show this design um, to three or four families, get some feedback about, oh, we're confused about this on this page, or we need a little bit more information about this on that. And then they would fix, they would patch just that issue on that one page in a kind of like, you know, flying in from outer space, patching it and going away kind of manner without looking at the big picture because they were just really focused on the user research. And the user researcher was great. Like if you look at how they set it up, it was really nice. But then the designs weren't very strong. They were this you know, patchwork kit of stuff and, and they didn't test multiple designs. They would say, oh, here's a problem. Well, here's a solution. And you can imagine there might be actually lots of solutions to a problem. And some might be more elegant and some might be less elegant. And maybe both are equally as effective, but one kind of relates to the bigger picture and one just looks like a giant Band-Aid. And so this cycle of design Band-Aid, or sorry, research Band-Aid, research Band-Aid kept happening. And then finally they took a step back and they said, oh my God, what have we done? <laughs> Individually, each part of this product is testing, you know, quote unquote, well, but altogether it's a bit of a mess. And now... The information architecture is broken. You can't really navigate from one place to another very well. We only tested individual use cases, not, you know, the whole thing. And so they came back to us and said, we're stuck. Can you fix this? But now, right, everybody's stuck because every page, what you look at, you say, well, this page, now it's, you know, kind of messy here. We're going to need to add some navigation. We're going to, and then the response is, well, we've already tested it and it's testing really well, which I'm sure it is, Right. But the issue is that another design that looked, that thought about the bigger picture and that um, was maybe a more elegant solution could have also tested well. We don't know because that design wasn't tested. And so now everybody's in essence stuck. We can imagine there's some design out there that's gonna be more elegant, more cohesive, have a better information architecture, but there's this fear that we're gonna break these things that are quote unquote testing well. Mm -hmm. So, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's just a to mess. interrupt for a sec, but I mean, it sounds like the question comes down to, well, what's the question that you're trying to figure out with the testing? If you're just, te I mean, are you testing features? Are you testing at a, a too narrow level or are you 
kind of falling down on the job of testing or at least evaluating a broader experience? I mean, I, I think that that's a really great point, right? That if when you're testing, you need to be thinking, not only is this one page effective on its own or this one area effective on its own, but how is this fitting in with the larger experience of getting from point you know, A to point C over the next three months of dealing with this potential medical issue with your child? And, it's, and there's all kinds of different use cases that are going to come up within there of different things you're going to want to do when you come into the app. And you might nail one, but then break another. And, you know, if you're just from a user research perspective thinking, okay, I'm just doing research on this one page and you're not working with a designer on um, really thinking through, okay, well, they designed it this way because they were thinking of this other thing that's going to happen later. Is there some other way we could structure the user research so that we could get more answers? Then you're kind of stuck with data that, that's not giving you the full picture. So how do we get to that fuller picture? Well... I think that that's where you need to say, you know, user research is important, but design is also important. And so if we double down all our efforts on the user research, but we don't have um, a designer who's working in concert with the user researcher, or um, in my case, I actually advocate that um, on my team, all the researchers are also designers. Mm -hmm. And so we really try to um, uh, promote both qualities within one person and not have a specialization so that you don't get into stuck into this, um, this situation where the user researcher is, uh, is cut off um, from what's going on in the head of the designer. Now, I, I get that not everybody can be a researcher and designer. Like, I totally get that. You know, like and, not and every organization can't afford people right. like that either. Exactly. Like it's just not, it's not possible. And so then you need to say, okay, can we make sure that whoever is going to be doing the design is um, really working collaboratively with the researcher? And if our researcher isn't a good designer, but we've asked her or him to do design, is there some other checks that we can put in our company? Like, in, can the product manager step up, right, and say, um, I'm thinking of this really holistically and ask targeted questions about how the whole flow is going to work and look across the whole app and say, wow, I've noticed you've removed these two buttons here. This was our navigation. I can see that instead you've added these four things that solve this one problem, but tell me about how this is going to um, relate to the larger app as a whole. And if you don't have someone asking those questions, then that, that's where you really get stuck. So there's got to be someone who's advocating uh, for some sort of holistic experience Mm -hmm. uh, and that might be people who are doing design and research. It might be a product manager. Is that a, a kind of, is there some sort of uh, even a checklist that any team, regardless of how it's configured, can follow that'll help ensure that it's doing that, whether it's making sure that someone is asking certain questions or someone has a, 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 a mental model of, for the user or, or some other broad systems map of, of the experience on the wall, and they're constantly looking at that and asking, well, how is this going to fit into the broader picture? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, is it a checklist? Is it, like, what is it that's missing right. that's making people go off track? I mean, one thing I think that, that comes to mind is, is thinking about different use cases you're solving for. Like, when someone comes and enters your product, what, what is it that their goal is right now? What are all the various goals that they might have? And can we rank those, right? Can we say, okay, this is the 
looking at it from an 80-20 perspective. Like 80% of the time, the goal is going to be this. And 20% of the time, we have these other goals that we're still going to need to support, right? But not, not as intensively. And so then when you look at a design, you can say, um, you can compare it to that list and say, okay, if someone has this goal, is, is this design going to support that? Is it going to support the second goal? Is it going to support the third? Okay, it looks like it's making all those marks. Now let's take a look at those 20% goals that we're still going to need to support. Um, you know, maybe not in your face, but we can't just forget about them all together. Is there even a way that someone can do that? Or have we now removed any ability for someone to do these things that we all agreed originally were important to support because we've, uh, you know, played whack-a-mole too many times on some very, you know, targeted issues. Is there some approach that I'm guessing, you know, something that might come out of the, the, the lean world that at least shortens the the cycle enough that things can't spin too far out of control in this regard? I mean, I think that it's, <laughs> that's kind of the, the, one of the critiques that people have of testing in the lean world or of testing in general, right? I mean, I think we're sort of hitting on it is it's, uh, it's a problem of garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> that you can keep testing till the cows come home, but if you're testing garbage, um, you're gonna result in garbage out. And so I think lean um, helps you recognize the garbage more quickly, right? Because you're having all these cycles, so you're, you're not at least launching garbage, you know that it's garbage. But um, unless you're able to design something nice, that's not garbage to begin with, um, you're stuck. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I, I think that that's one of the issues with, with lean or with any of these processes that rely just on testing. It, it, I think it implies that, that testing is going to get you there, that testing somehow, you know, is going to create the initial good design but you actually need the, the initial good design to start. And so you, and you're tying that back to uh, having a, a shared understanding of the, the, the product's critical goals. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm also just, I guess I'm also saying that at some point, someone has to be a good designer somewhere, right? If you don't have a good designer on your team, it, it's, it's almost like a philosophical question, right? If you don't have a good designer on your team, is it possible to get to a good design? Are you going to get there? And I think I'm just going to say no. You know, maybe that's a controversial thing to say, but if there is nobody on your team who can create a solid design, I do not think that user research is going to get you there. That makes sense. I, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking in, uh, uh, out loud a bit here. I don't, I don't know how many people are going to argue with you about that. Even the most sort of dyed-in-the-wool uh, uh, people who've been doing user research for their entire careers or even the ones that are, are, are the nice hybrids, the sort of a different flavor of unicorn, as you're describing, people who do both design and research. I don't know that anyone's going to argue against that. Um, but, I mean, there is a reality of small teams, under-resourced teams, uh, yada, yada, yada. What can they actually do, uh, I mean, to I guess maybe to enable or empower people to do better design who are doing the design work, whether or not they're great or not, make, can we make them at least better than they would have been? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you could make people be better. I think I think what, what I'm, maybe what you're hearing is me um, going on a little bit diatribe. So let me take a step back. I've been uh, working with the Stanford D School for about six or seven years now. 
one thing that that um, we've been discussing there is that design has and uh, design thinking and user centered design has has sort of gotten this reputation of something that anyone can learn quickly and then do well. And in fact, I just don't feel like that's the case that anyone can learn it quickly and do it well. I think that you can learn things about it and then it's going to take practice to get better. And I think that people should endeavor to, um, to practice and to follow this cycle of, you know, um, design and user research. And, um, you know, if they don't have a designer or user researcher to work with, they should hundred percent try it on their own and try to make a go and think about the big picture while looking at the details, you know, it's a lot to balance. But I think at the same time, um, I guess I urge people that um, when you get to a point that um, you're like, well, this isn't working, which we hear often, that one reason it might not be working isn't because the process in itself is flawed. It's because, um, you know, like you're, you're just not David Beckham. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, the, the, you know, diatribe aside, and, and I, I love the diatribe, by the way, uh, um, you know, the, the, the more the merrier of those. Um, you know, what I think what I'm finding especially interesting here is, is that you are almost suggesting a way that um, user research can reveal much more about an organization's product development process than we may bargain for. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe so. It, almost in a diagnostic sense. So, hey, you know, we're investing in user research. And that's, you know, what a lot of people attending this conference are, are you know, early on in the process of. That's great. Well, um, guess what? You're going to learn something not only about user research, but you're going to learn something about design in general and what it takes to create a really good product. And it's not just user research. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that you're right, that that is the point, that it's... Um... You know, it's, it's that old pendulum, like it swings in one direction and that direction gets too far and then people are like, ah, and they run the other way. And so I think what I'm advocating for is um, for a long time, people weren't doing user research and that really sucked. And now people are doing user research and that's so awesome, but we can't swing the pendulum too far that way. And uh, unless you... Um, think holistically about how the things you're designing and putting out there in front of the user um, and having this really close relationship between your researcher and whoever it is that's doing design at your organization, that it's not that the designer can like lob the stuff over the fence and then later someone lets them know what happened. It's just really not going to work because you're going to end up with that dog's breakfast. I'm going to use your term again. Um, and it's, you know, so it's interesting. I was just at a different conference and um, there was a speaker there from Uber, who's the head of design at Uber. And um, she uh, showed that, you know, classic slide that may, a lot of us maybe have seen where there's, um, you know, like a piece of string and it's super jumbled on the left. And then, and then, you know, there's one line, like that one piece of string coming out. And then um, what she said is on the left in that jumble is research and on the right, that like lovely line is design. It's what, what her sort of way that she managed, as she described it was. And that her job she viewed was to protect designers from this horrible mess that's research where there's conflicting information and blah, 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 and it's just so ugly and she's gonna protect her 
poor designers from that. And I, I literally, I almost fell out of my chair, Lou. I was like, what? <laughs> like, it was just, it was like being at like a, you know, Donald Trump rally for me, who's like a, you know, crazy liberal. What? What are you saying? Because <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, that goes against everything that I would ever believe would lead to any kind of a strong design. And, you know, maybe Tesla somehow has been able to pull it off or wh whatever it is. I don't know. Um, but man, it's crazy talk. Well, I mean, you know, this is something that uh, we're, we're struggling with in almost every aspect of, of every organization of more than one person, which is siloization. And the example you're giving sounds like uh, a case where, um, at least there, people are unintentionally reinforcing those silos by by thinking they're doing the right thing and, and, and you know, keeping those designers uh, in, inside the bubble wrap. Uh, so I, I, I think there's... Um, a really interesting conversation uh, that we just kind of scratched the, the the surface on here about what user research does to an organization and how it changes how not only we understand what people want and need, uh, but how to develop products and how to be an organization. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing more of what you have to say on this topic, and uh, uh, I wish we could have more time today. And uh, um, I'm glad we have a little bit more time on October 11th at the User Research for Everyone virtual conference. Uh, I hope if you're listening in, um, you want to get a little bit more uh, than this taste. And it's userresearchforeveryone.com. Uh, and I hope uh, we'll see you on October 11th. Julie, it's great having you on the show. Great to be here.